Fortigon. 14. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Fortigon on 14, episode 122. I am Mike. I am Patrick. I'm Joel. And I'm Josh, and I'm just a dude podcasting with a dude, podcasting <laughs> with another dude, podcasting with Patrick. Dude. Wait, I'm, I'm not a dude? <laughs> Well, you you have a two-syllable name, so it worked best. Well, then, you live in the land of dudes. I knew you were going to call me on that, too, and I already had my response prepared. I'm the dude. I'm not a dude. You're the dude? All right. Close. Well, surprisingly, we're not doing The Big Lebowski this show. Um, (laughs) We're doing war, war comedies. Yeah, kind of. Yeah, we're talking about hot shots uh, and taking a look at Tropic Thunder. Yeah. Uh, Hot Shots 1991, Tropic Thunder 2008. Holy cow. But, uh, hey, Josh. Yeah. You're in the middle of the jungle and have nothing but your iPod to to follow you along with. And uh, instead of you're all running out of panda movies, what could you listen to? (laughs) Well, (laughs) since I obviously don't have an internet connection to call for help, I certainly can't tune into the Musings of a Geek podcast network. No? What? No, because if I had an internet connection, I'd probably Skype someone to get me the hell out of the jungle. But once I got out of the jungle, once I got out of the jungle, I'd check out the Musings of a Geek podcast network, where I could then listen to such shows as Green Up, The History of Bad Ideas, The Bearded Ones, Dark Angels and Pretty Freaks, Sons of the Renaissance, and of course, the defunct Left Field Sports Lounge. Are we sure it's defunct? I don't know. No. I think we've been calling their show dead. (laughs) For at least a year. Yeah, minimum. They had that long to produce a new episode that we could find out about. Meanwhile, their listeners are like, wait, what? (laughs) What show have I been listening to? Who did I hit? (laughs) (laughs) And you know what show you should be listening to if uh, you're Saturdays, you're tuned into Geek Life Radio at noon? Oh, you should be listening to us Saturdays at noon, right after Stick Twiddlers, but before the Turnbuckle Throwbacks. Those are all real words. <laughs> That's you... where my mom said I'd end up. With a, <laughs> with a stick twiddler? Between the stick twiddlers and the turnbuckle throwbacks. And blind as a bat. <laughs> Who said that? <laughs> Speaking of words. <laughs> Speaking of words. <laughs> I hear we have a voicemail. <laughs> yeah, if uh, you want to send us a voicemail, you can always give us a call at 708-669-9727. That's yeah. 708-NOW-RAP. Or you can send us other listener feedback at 40go14 at gmail.com or reach out to us on Twitter at 40go14. And you can find us at our home on the web at www.40go14.com or on Facebook. Just search for 40 going on 14. So for that aforementioned listener feedback, yes. let's uh, go to the voicemail line, shall we? Hey, fuckers. <laughs> Probably won't sound as good as it normally does because I'm laying in some ductwork right now. I'm just finally listening to your Christmas show. Now, you guys are saying that you sit around the tree and, and just kind of hang out with family. At what point did you hang the carcass in it? I didn't <laughs> hear you mention that at all. You mentioned presents, but no hanging tree carcasses. It's Thanksgiving. Just yeah. I think Charlie has his uh, holidays mixed up because uh, hanging carcasses from <laughs> trees is definitely a Thanksgiving thing. He needs to get his ducts in a row. Oh, dude. Well, it depends on what we have for. I mean, honestly, that this hanging a carcass in a tree thing is definitely my family. So, and oh, it depends yes. on what we have. I mean, if we have a I ham. I will not be ignored. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> if we have a ham, you know, there is there usually isn't anything left. But you know, when you have a turkey carcass, that's there's a lot of stuff that could still be eaten that we can't get our fingers into. So we hang the 
turkey carcass in the tree and let the birds go at it, which has a bonus of the chil- the uh, children don't come by ra- around the house anymore for Halloween, and you know the neighbors don't talk to you, which is always good. But there are plenty of hobos that stand <laughs> around eating chicken or turkey carcass, so that's nice. Hobos, yeah, hobos yeah. love a good chicken. Why do I keep saying? I don't I'm, know. It's, I'm done. They love a good turkey car- carcass. I'm, they put parts. Good of night, it in everybody. I'm just. <laughs> they put I'm it done. in a bindle and they go make <laughs> soup. <laughs> Apparently, Pat got so high, he rolled the machine. He's back to one. <laughs> <laughs> Who was that in the background? Is that Sarah? Oh, Hi, Sarah. Shit. Hi, Sarah. Uh, so we also have an email Hey, from a, one Joe Abarino. It says he's listening to the podcast, and it's pretty interesting that uh, about a week and a half before we did the uh uh, Stallone show. Uh, he sold that poncho. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So Rambo. <clears throat> he sold the Rambo poncho for sixty. Uh, no, let's see. It says well, he earned over three million for all his memorabilia, and the poncho worn in the first Rambo film was sixty thousand yeah. dollars. Wow. I also have a correction because I got my stories mixed up uh, last week. Oh, it wasn't. It was actually in Rocky Four. That, uh, you had Dolph Lundgren put Stallone in the hospital. The serious injury he, uh, had on the set of the ins- Expendables is when not l- learning his lesson from when Lundgren put him in the hospital, he told Stone Cold Steve Austin to go at him full force and Stone Cold broke his neck. Oh, wow. Shit. <laughs> yeah. So after that scene, he had to be airlifted out and they weren't actually sure he was going to survive. Holy shit. He, he was definitely right. He's like, when he said, I'm out, I was out getting my ass kicked. <laughs> I can see, I can see, uh, Stone Cold looking at, um, what's the big blonde guy's name? I just lost it. Dolph Lundgren. Dolph looking, <laughs> should I do it? He's like, oh yeah, do it. It should be pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, th- I think he like picked him up and threw him against the wall and that's what did it. Yeah. So, uh, but Joe, uh, also suggests, uh, for Christmas shows, uh, something that popped up on Netflix this year to go with the Bing Crosby 1978 Christmas special was, uh, Netflix's Very Murray Christmas starring Bill Murray. I have that in my list, but I haven't watched it yet. Yeah, I haven't watched it either. I'm kind of, kind of, I'm saving it for next year. Yeah, I'm kind of concerned about it because I, I want to, in my head, think it's going to be hilarious and I'll be really depressed if it's not. Oh, yes. But it. We're coming into the second week of January. As far as I'm concerned, Christmas is done. Like, I don't even want to see a Santa Claus or a tinsel for another 11 months. Tinsel? Any tinsel. Even one tinsel. (laughs) Let alone a whole town of them. Is 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 one tinsel a tinsai? No. You know what they say. It's always Christmas when there's tinsel coming out of the cat's ass. Yep. You've been saying that for a long time, actually. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's about that time. (laughs) (laughs) This week in... Music, movies, and TV. And sports. All right, I went back to the classic one to uh, give Joel his moment in the sun. Aww. Yeah, Thanks. so this year we're cool going that. back to 1991, the year that uh, Hot Shots was released. Uh, so the top album in music is Please Hammer Don't Hurt Em by MC Hammer. To the Extreme by Vanilla Ice, Shake Your Money Maker by The Black Crows, and The Simpsons Sing the Blues. I owned all but one of those albums. Oop, do we have a guess of which one? The uh, Simpsons. I'm going to go with MC Hammer. No, he definitely owned MC Hammer. 
Well, uh, we're taking our guesses here. Joel, I would probably your... say honestly, if I had to honestly guess, I would say it was the Black Crows. He didn't have. Nah, I'm going with MC no. Hammer. Joel. Um, I, I, no, I'm going with Black Crows too. I think. Wait, that he didn't have. That he didn't the, have. Did have or didn't have? Didn't. Did not have. Oh, did not have Vanilla Ice. No, he had that MC Hammer. Patrick's joke guess was correct. Oh, the Simpsons man. sing the blues is really the only one of those I didn't have. Damn, I had that. I am really surprised at that. I have all of those still. I think. Uh, 1991, I was pretty into pop rap. Like Vanilla Ice, MC Hammer, MC Light, Queen Latifah, mm-hmm. all that stuff. Nice. That's why I went with Black Crows, because I thought you would have the Simpsons one. So I, was like, yeah, I, know, I know you would have the other two. So. But Hard to Handle was like my favorite song of 1992 to 1993. Yeah, true. Mm. All right. So in order to uh, fill up the uh, death slot that we have every every week in the TWI, uh, Stephen Maynard Clark was an English musician best known as the co-lead guitarist and principal songwriter for Def Leppard until his January 8th death from an overdose brought on by a combination of multiple prescription drugs and alcohol. So that's it. Yeah. yeah, if you're a rock musician, that's the way to go. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> I think it's in the contract. Whoop. So what? That was... Uh... <laughs> so movies. <laughs> wow. I'm going to make a rule about adding stuff after I read it. <laughs> so, movies. Home Alone keeps its hold on the number one movie in the land, eventually making $476.7 million in box office returns, until Sleeping with the Enemy takes over just in time for Valentine's Day, and then Silence of the Lambs kicks it off the chart one week later. It's a okay. weird Valentine's Day. As much as I don't like Home Alone, have you guys seen the uh, Colleen McCulkin uh, return to the character of Kevin yeah. McAllister? No. That was so good. Yeah. And then uh, Daniel Stern did a response as one of the Wet Bandits. Yes. Yep. I have seen the, I have seen the response, but I never saw the, uh, the first one. Oh, dude, you got to see it. It was the first episode of a show basically about Lyft and Uber drivers, which I was like, okay, I got to see this. Uh, Macaulay Culkin being a psycho in a web series about what I do for a living. Nice. So, uh, oh, it looks like we get a double double dose of uh, death. Jo- <laughs> Johnny Eck, born John Eckhart Jr., died of a heart attack at age 79 on January 5th. He was an American freak show performer born missing the lower half of his torso. Mm-hmm. Uh, Eck is best known for his role in Todd Browning's 1932 cult classic film Freaks. He's often billed as the amazing half-boy and king of the freaks. Besides being a sideshow performer and actor, Johnny Eck was also an artist, photographer, illusionist, penny arcade owner, punch-and-judy operator, and expert model maker. Yeah, he was uh, among the more prolific of the freaks in that movie, too. If I remember right, he was chasing the female lead under one of the uh, uh, wagons. Yeah. 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 I saw freaks once, and that was enough. <laughs> yep. One of yeah. us, one of us. I still haven't yeah. seen it, but I know enough about it. Yeah. That's, that's... I'm surprised you didn't see it in film class if you were the one of us who didn't take film. I did not. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah. I was going to say, uh, the rest of us had to see it for Girl Illusions class. Yeah, I saw it. I remember, I remember when you guys all saw it and you were telling me about it. I was like, yeah, I don't really care to see that. Yeah. That does not sound uh, something like I'd like to spend the afternoon watching. Yeah, exactly. Instead, let's. Uh, now go- I'm going to go watch porn about midgets. <laughs> Oh, dude, let's go. I was thinking more about Joel choosing whatever that foreign movie was with the uh, women with the knives walking around the weightlifting place. (laughs) Do you remember that? Dude, let's go watch that. 
And please I, tell me I'm not the only one that remembers that. I, I do, but I don't remember what, what it was called. I, I know what you, I know what you mean, but I don't remember what it was called. I like the description, but See, I don't he, know what you're talking about at he all. He confirms that it exists. I don't know what the hell it was either. I think it was like shortly after this we re, re, uh, revoked his movie-choosing license. Oh, that's happened a couple times over. Yeah. True point. All right. Well, true uh, point. True, true point. point. It's an. Odd, it's, it's. He said that it was. It made sense, but it just was a weird way of putting it. That was Johnny X's best album. True point. True point. Yes. yes. With uh, Sal Jolson. Follow up point break. True point and Al Jolson. <laughs> Sal Jolson. <laughs> so anyway, New Kids on the Block is sued this year by Kids on the Block. They produce puppet shows based out of Cumberland, Maryland. Uh, they sue him in federal court and accuse the teen idols of using its trademark name, requiring the group to rename. And no, they told him to remain. It's a puppet company that produces puppet shows for children about physical and social disabilities, and they've operated under the name since 1977. The problem was is no one was really sure which was which. <laughs> like they, they go, they, they go see the new kids on the block concert. They're like, well, they look like they're trying to appeal to the kids with disabilities. <laughs> Yikes. They're, they're jumping around like kids. <laughs> what is this? And they look like puppets. <laughs> uh, TV this year. January 5th is a big day for Joel as Blossom premieres on NBC along with Ooh. Real Life with <laughs> Jane no, Pauly. They're balloons. We're a party. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, The Party Machine with someone named Nia Peoples. Former MTV VJ. Was she one I, of the... I believe... Was she one of the one of the, one of the Not originals? Not one of the originals. No. Oh no, no. Research Nia Peoples, Verena Gwendolyn Nia Peoples. She's an R and B and dance music singer and actress, and best known as her role as Nicole Chapman on Fame. Ah, see, yeah. I was right. Oh, that's tw- that's two weeks now. We've talked about the TV show Fame. Ah. I'm gonna dun, dun, dun. Live they are going to live forever, or until I have a heart attack and die. Ah. I don't know how that goes. I'm pretty sure it wasn't like that. <laughs> So, uh, either way, Max Morrow, a Canadian actor best known for his roles in Connor Undercover as a title character, Monk as Benji Fleming in The Christmas Shoes, and, uh-oh, it's late in the show, late in the game right now, but the acronym of the week is S-M-E-I-A. Yes, that's, uh, Small Men Eating Italian Assholes. <laughs> <laughs> what? Do you serve that with marinara? Oh, shit. Oh, I like that. That's They're very rubbery. That's so much better than the actual title of Sister Mary Explains It All. Was that oh. before or after Clarissa? All right, I'm going to tell you right now. <laughs> Do not Google that. <laughs> don't, don't Google the Small men eating, Ita- eating Italian uh, assholes. That's oh, I just, wouldn't. No. Yeah, was, no. Looks like calamari. Oh. oh. Ew. Ew. I'm done. Cherry Ooh, calamari. All right, and, and the great goose caper. What yeah, the great goose caper? I don't. Uh, finishing it, the sentence. Yeah, it was it, a <clears throat> it was a sequel to the small many. Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> Either way, this dude people. is born on January seventh. Um, sports: Gaylord Perry, <laughs> Ferguson Jenkins, and Rod Carew are elected to the MLB Hall of Fame on January eighth. They decided to go with the all strange names. Yeah, <laughs> and. Uh, also, the next day they come out and say, "You know what, Pete Rose? Screw you! You're, you are now officially banned from being elected to the Hall of Fame on January 9th. Bullshit. I agree. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's been too long. They need to yep. rescind that ban. 
Is it, well, it, I mean, it's, it's not a measure of your character and all that, you know, blah, blah, whatever. We're going to, you know. Oh, it better not Ty be. Cobb, Ty Cobb was the biggest prick in the land, and he's in the Hall of Fame. So. Yeah. So, I want to start out this uh, main show by apologizing to all of you. <laughs> <laughs> not only did you make us watch Hot Shots, but all, I think all four of us thought we were going to be watching the one that is more like Traffic Thunder, which is more of a spoof of... First Blood Part Two, yeah, Hot Shots, which is part actually Hot Shots Part Two, yeah, but <laughs> yeah. Uh, so uh, Hot Shots came out in 1991, starring uh, Charlie Sheen as Lieutenant Topper Harley, Carrie Ewells as Lieutenant Kent Gregory, Elways, Elways, yeah, he's uh, best known for uh, Princess Bride, yeah, Charlie Sheen, best known for winning, mm-hmm. uh, Valeria Golino for Valeria, Valeria, oh, that's like Valium, yes. Okay, Golino, uh, who's best known for being hot. Indeed. Uh, Lloyd Bridges as Admir- Admiral Thomas Tug Benson. Also best known for being hot. Oh, yeah. Shots. Uh, <laughs> Part two. Kevin Dunn as Commander James Block. John Cryer as Washout Pfeffenbach. And William O'Leary as Pete Deadmeat Thompson. I am yeah. completely sorry that I made us watch this. It's proof that uh, John Cryer and Charlie Sheen have been not funny together for decades. <laughs> well, I like this, John Cryer. That's the thing. Yeah, but him and Charlie Sheen together is obviously comedy poison. <laughs> like I, two and a half men. I have yeah, never. I mean, that, that wasn't an awful show. Is that show was not as bad as everybody says it was, but it was definitely not great. Okay, it, it's not as bad as Two Broke Girls, but it's no, no. Uh, well, Two Broke Girls is like aggressively funny, ag- aggressively unfunny. <laughs> I was gonna say wait, what? Aggressively unfunny. Yeah. Like, it just makes a point of just. Either way, if you can make me hate something that has Cat Dennings in it, you're pretty bad. Yeah. I am just going to come out and say I really did think this was part two. (laughs) I think we all did. Well, that's the thing. It's like I was the whole time I'm sitting here, I'm I'm like, I'm watching and I'm waiting for the chicken scene. Right. And the thing is, I never had part of favorable memories of either of these films. I did until. Well, I did until I rewatched them. And apparently. I had a tumor or something back then because <laughs> I remember this being funny. Well, and this is by the same team, if I recall, that had all of the great parodies from Airplane to Naked Gun. You are almost right. right? It, uh, no, it's because it, it, the air, airplane and all that was Zucker, Abrams, Zucker. And this is yeah. Justin Abrams. Oh, OK. So this is Abrams without the Zucker. This is with directed by Jim Abrams. And written by Jim Abrams and Pat Prophet, who is now see here. This is the thing. Pat Prophet's known for Real Genius, The Naked Gun, Police Academy. So what happened? I don't know. I just think they got to a point where it's like we're going to have somebody falling down or getting hurt, and then obvious pop culture reference, and that's your joke. And we're just going to do that for two hours. And so many voiceovers. It's like there were so many times where there was a scene going on, and you can almost see John Cryer standing in the recording studio saying his lines because uh, uh, anyway well, this get, was not going to win any editing editing awards well you sure. you just you just wait on this one okay You're, there's some some shocking things okay uh Valeria 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 sorry Valeria Valeria <laughs> <laughs> damn it <laughs> that's gotta be a running thing oh shit it has been for 122 shows <laughs> Uh, she Yay. claims the scene in which she catches the olive popped out of her belly button was accomplished without trick photography. Oh. Bullshit. I don't know. 
I want. I, wa- I mean, I want to believe it. Shot, you could. It's it's like the the magic bullet at the Kennedy assassination. You could see the olive move. Um, it's not you, a natural arc that it takes. Perhaps that's the joke. Yeah, because that's bullshit. Okay, so I like to think it was. Well, either way, that was an interesting scene all around. Um, this was chosen for the UK's 1991 royal film performance. And was attended by the Queen. Oh God! No wonder they hate America. Oh, right? <laughs> what? What? Why? And she's like, "What's wrong with the colonies?" <laughs> that naked gun was much funnier. Yeah, they they <laughs> said. I don't know how in the world of all the movies that came out in 1991, and I don't recall 91 being a great year for movies to begin with. But the, this is what they decided to show to the Queen. So the Queen's on. Like, I like Enrico Palazzo so much better. <laughs> hold on, hold on. Films of 1991. Give me one second. Okay. We had Silence of the Lambs, Terminator 2, Beauty and the Beast, The Addams Family, Robin Hood, Hook, JFK, Thelma and Louise, The Fisher King, Cape Fear, Star oh. Trek IV, The Undiscovered okay. Country. I rescind, I obviously rescind my statement because it was an amazing day. <laughs> Backdraft, uh, People Under the Stairs, Barton Fink. Out of all those, probably the only ones that you could show the actual, the Queen were probably Beauty and the Beast and stuff. They could have shown Hudson Hawk. Nobody wants. To, nobody should see Hudson Hawk. Oscar we should watch Hudson Hawk. What's you e- should, what? All, all you should do is listen to Hudson Hawk. That's it. You hey, should never see it. The soundtrack. What about Bob came out that year? Would you like? Oh, to what about Bob? I love that movie. Star, Baby, step into the queen. Come on. Home in a jar. I just have to imagine in 1991, you've got the Wayans brothers watching Hot Shots and going, "Yeah, <laughs> we <laughs> should do goes. that." Like 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 a bunch of banyas. Comedy gold. <laughs> and that's that's how we got like not another teen movie, scary movie, mm-hmm. all of that, like the great fall of the Sassy. parody movie. Yeah. Well, okay, and a throwback uh to last week's show, the Stallone show, the opening crowd shot of the boxing match attended by uh Lieutenant Commander Block and Wilson is reused footage of the final fight from Rocky Two. In addition, both of the fighters and their cornermen that are used for more close up shops shots filmed for this movie are dressed exactly the same colored robes and uniforms worn by Sylvester Stallone, Carl Weathers, Burgess Meredith, and Tony Burton. So along, then they even matched the floor canvas and ring rope covers. So apparently, they spent all their money on making sure this one scene looked just like Rocky Two versus, yeah, which actually, was not even completely necessary. Yeah, well, right. versus versus making a you know getting a rewrite. Oh, just, I thought just, they spent just write a scene where the two guys are sitting at a coffee shop by themselves. You don't need all that. I thought they spent all the money on the horseback uh, riding motorcycle scene. No, that, that was all done in one take. Oh, okay. God. Yeah, I don't know. See, we could go over the plot, but it's basically like a direct remake of Top Gun, only without all the homoeroticism and with, somehow with even less humor. Yeah, <laughs> there were a couple funny <laughs> scenes. Well, I'll give it exactly twice. Hold on, trivia. I, 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 I actually typed up four times that I laughed. So Did, okay, I I laughed maybe a handful of times, and every single time Lloyd Bridges was on the screen. But let's yeah, let's finish the scene okay. or the trivia. I laughed. Yeah, okay, trivia is up. Uh, the film parody is the scene in the Fabulous Baker Boys, another movie that not a lot of people saw, in which uh, Susie Diamond, Michelle Pfeiffer, sits atop a piano and sings "Making Whoopie." Which also star- starred uh, Lloyd Bridges and Jeff Bridges son- and Bo Bridges. No, Lloyd Bridges' <laughs> and son. And Bridges over River A bunch Kwai. of fucking Bridges. And- <laughs> <laughs> this man has a college degree. <laughs> He's the only one of us that does. <laughs> oh, you know what? Screw you all. Okay. 
this some... film starred Lloyd Bridges' sons, yes. Jeff Bridges and Bo Bridges, as the title oh. characters, Jack and Frank Baker. Have you seen the Baker Brothers? Oh, yeah. Yes. Yeah. They're, it's actually pretty good. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the shot of the USS's, uh, is backlit by the rising sun, is stock footage of the USS Nimitz from the movie The Final Countdown. That starred Martin Sheen. Father? Oh, never mind. See, because that's the thing. It's like I was so looking forward to the scene where Charlie Sheen is in the uh, the boat floating down river in Vietnam, and he passes up Martin Sheen, and they're both doing the internal monologues. Oh yeah, <laughs> I was completely thinking this was part due. Yeah, but we should have known better because the chicken. This was part due due. <laughs> the chicken uh, thing is on the on the do doing the do. Um, the chicken thing's on the cover of the freaking. It's like the movie poster. I know. Well, I knew this wasn't going to be the Rambo one. I knew that going in. Well, but... thanks for letting anybody else know <laughs> well i was kind of i didn't really see the parallel other than war movies i was well, like all right whatever yeah. well Either... and don't go back and watch part two it has aged almost as badly wow mm. they're they're both pretty bad the same thing somebody gets hit in the head or falls down or gets hit in the balls and then they make a blindingly obvious pop culture reference next joke yeah so either way, uh, Hot Shots Part 1 debuted at number one in the United States. What the hell, United States? Uh, Hot Shots was both a critical and commercial success and grossed over 180 million worldwide and currently holds an 83% approval rating at Rotten Tomatoes, but it's only based on 24 reviews. Hence the sequel, All done. I guess. <laughs> All of those reviews done 20 years ago. By Charlie Sheen. Yes. Coked out of his mind. <laughs> So yeah, the, I mean, wins winning. <laughs> I I so wanted. To, I remember liking this. That's the thing is, I remember laughing at this, and not just exha- exhaling through my nose. Well, you also used to like Chef Boyardee once, don't you? Shit, talk. I was like, don't talk bad about the chef. Seriously, oh, oh, oh no, nasty, horrible, horrible. <sighs> We're not doing a Chef Boyardee show. No. Um. <laughs> I, there was a moment where I could pinpoint what they were doing wrong. They started with a funny concept when he's going back over all the memories that the two of them shared, and then false memories start creeping in his famous scenes from other movies. On paper, that's a funny concept. But then when you get to the Gone with the Wind and they both fall down the stairs, it's like, guys, you had your joke. You don't need more stupid slapstick. You just ruined your joke. It you it, it, I think it's that that it they're trying so hard to be the next Naked Gun. Yeah, but they weren't anywhere as near as edgy as uh, the Naked Gun or Airplane. They, they took no chances. There was nothing, uh, really even blue. Even the sex scene. Yeah. I mean, it's you once again you start with a good foundation for a joke, eating progressively weirder and weirder things. Oh yeah. And then they spend five minutes on the dumb bacon and eggs gag, which was funny the first the first second you saw when he when he's cooking on her stomach that was pretty funny, and then I didn't expect it to go for a whole minute and a half. Yeah, so that was and they're, and they're working so many special effects into it. They're like making sure the egg looks like it's cooking and stuff, and, and the stomach is actually sizzling. And then I'm like, what's the point of this joke? Yeah. Yeah, the the spots where I laughed, none of the leads, well, n- none of the male leads were talking at any point in the two spots I laughed. I want to know what these two spots were. I laughed when the guys were doing their call and respond, the crowd scene, 
where the one group is going by uh, chanting dreidel, 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 and the other group is uh, chanting the, the, Brady, the bunch. Brady Bunch. That was pretty funny. That made me laugh. And the only other thing that made me laugh was Valeria Galino's joke. Uh, what do you do with a rhino with three balls? <laughs> you know, I forgot about that. Walk him and pitch to the elephant. Yeah. That that got me to laugh out loud. Because that you know what? That was the thing is that that was, that was so totally out of left field. And it was the edgiest thing in the entire movie. And that's sad. Lloyd Bridges was awesome, though. But all of his stuff was just like dumb slapstick. Well, not all of it. I mean, a lot of the conversation. I mean, like what the whole. I I personally thought the whole scene where he loses his hat and he's telling. Yeah, and he, he just keeps going on and on about. Uh, we'll turn the ship around. Well, and get my hat. Now go get go get Lieutenant Johnson. Put him in a put him in a rowboat. Have him float. Have him have him paddle around in a circle until we get back. We're gonna be out here for a good two weeks. Well, then put some food in the boat. It's just like. I mean, he's, he's funny. I think that uh, ever since Airplane, you know, it, he was, they tried to make him into the next, uh, um, oh, what's his name from, uh, Naked Gun? Leslie Nielsen. Leslie Nielsen. And, you know, he, I don't know what, I don't know what the difference is, but Lloyd Bridges is not Leslie Nielsen. And I can't figure out what's missing there. Cause he's this, you know, older, respected actor who's doing this slapstick and doing this self-depreciating humor. You know, with the you know the magnets in his head, and you know I can't. I had my uh, my ear canals are all stainless steel because it got my head blown out and nom that sort of thing. Where he takes you know, well, granted the Kleenex through the head wasn't quite that funny, but a lot of his banter was pretty good. I don't know. I, I thought he was hilarious in Airplane, but uh, I, I didn't. I, I thought he was wasted in this turd of a movie. I'm trying to think, something with him was the only part that I laughed, and I'm trying to remember which part it was now. But yeah, was it when he was talking? When he was, <laughs> it's like the whole the whole base is at a standstill look at this johnson when he's shouting at the painting roy, roy that kid's been ignoring me all day <laughs> i don't know i th- did you find that funny pat i did that would i mean it, i didn't laugh but it, I, I i found that a lot better than any of the other stuff oh yeah was, i probably smiled at that it was yeah. a hell of a lot funnier than john Cryer and his goddamn walleye vision yep yeah which uh what the hell but john Cryer did have a line that one of my four times that made me laugh was his he was talking to, they said, isn't there something they could do? Yeah, the multi-optical pupilotomy. <laughs> I, I remember the part They can't risk uh, damaging the lens, so they have to go in through the rectum? <laughs> yeah, and nobody's doing that to me. <laughs> just the, 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 the name of the surgery was just so funny. Um, the, the part that got me was when, uh, Topper and Dead Meat were talking and Topper's like, I can never find time for love. It's too heavy. It's an anchor that drowns a man. Besides, I got the sky, the smell of jet exhaust, my bike and Dead Meat goes, a loner? He's like, no, I own it. See, there were, that's I don't know the thing, what it was. Is that, but that is the perfect Joel joke right there. Right. Yeah, that it's is. a play on words. The, occasionally there were these gems of lines, but in between there was just crap. Well, I mean, it, that, that's the problem when... You start when you're writing a movie backwards, which is how he did this. He started with jokes and tried to write in <laughs> situations where he could use the joke. Mm, that I think makes first sense. the joke has to be good, right? Like the that's whole the first problem, and the second problem is it needs to be organic. And that's the thing is like the whole um, the bar scene. You know when they the went to bar the fight? bar. Well, yeah, the bar fight where well, yeah, we're in the bar the fight. That was another thing that made me laugh was when suddenly Charles Barkley and Bill Lambier they're fighting each other. I, that didn't make me laugh, but that was clever having those two in there. Yeah, yeah, and that that was like a, a straight up like a like an um an airplane moment, like a, just a little cameo that they throw in as a joke, and they don't even really ever address it again. 
Yeah. Ooh, ow. Hang on. <clears throat> so that's two of my four laughs. Yeah, I think I don't think any of us laughed more than five times. Total, between the three or four of us. You're going to have to excuse me. I'm muting my mic so I can kill a spider. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I could have done without a lot of the, the lip sync singing crap that was unnecessary. You know, why were they trying to turn Topper into a crooner when Charlie Sheen can't sing? Well, I mean, they were trying to emulate the same scene from Top Gun, except it wasn't quite in the same place or serving the same purpose. They're just like, there's a singing scene, so we're going to have to throw that in there. Yeah. Right. And, and it looked you, like everybody lived within a block of each other, because they would just walk for like three steps. I'm like, well, I'm home. And you had so much genuine comedy material to mine if you want to spoof Top Gun. Like, the rampant homoeroticism with the volleyball. Yeah. They could have done a volleyball scene where they just, you know, kept slapping each other's ass, like, over and over and over again until it got stupid. Like a family guy kind of thing. Well, and they completely uh, wasted Christy Swanson. She was in for two one-note jokes that were just not funny, yeah. where they pretend to not notice that she's a female. Or that she's that she's attractive or anything else. I mean, yeah, yeah that, that, that character was just a throwaway, and it, it was unfortunate, because you're right, there could have been a lot more that they could have done with just that one piece. Yeah, for sure. I, I saw so many things that, like, I could see the seed of what could have been a good joke here, and then they just destroyed the execution. I, I don't I, know, man. This, yeah. this is okay. Um, who directed Airplane? Does anybody know off the top of your head? Uh, give me one second. Because Abrams, Abrams may be like you know, I mean, because a lot of this just has to do with direction. So it may be that he's not used to being a director, not very good at it. Um, I don't know. I think it was. I think it was writing as much as anything. Uh, director was Zucker and Abrams. Yeah. That's what happens when you take a Zucker away. Yeah. There's Zucker. I mean, and, and slapstick has its place and the gags, but when that's all there is and there's no substance there, you got to have something to back up what, to set up the joke and make it funny. If it's just people falling out of a plane because they can do it. What's See, the point? And that's and that's the thing is like the big difference between say then this between Naked Gun Airplane or even like Police Academy is there are slapstick scenes, there are jokes that are getting tossed at you, but there is a plot line, you know, Naked Gun, they're going to try and kill the queen. You know, you have that whole plot plot going through Airplane, the plane is crashing and uh um he's got his uh drinking problem and he's trying to, you know, reconcile what happened in the war. This, I mean, they had a vague part of Topper having an issue with his dad, but it's just shown in the very beginning with uh, Ryan Stiles, who I completely forgot was in this. Yes. Yeah. And even though he was pretty yeah. dang funny, too. Well, and those there's earlier, no context. Those earlier parody movies you're talking about were parodying a general style and still telling their own story, and it was a funny one. This is much more like the modern dumb parody movies from the Wayans brothers, where it's just like, we're going to directly remake this and throw in low comedy. And I know I'm hard on this, but like, I, I'm very picky when it comes to comedies. And this is like everything I dislike about comedies well, that aren't well, <clears throat> my style. And, and part I, of it is, I'm, I'm sorry, Joe, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, and I think once we get to the second half, we'll, we'll show how these actually were good companion pieces in the long run. Yeah. The the thing that gets me is that the uh, the cast they had for this wasn't a, a a bad cast. I mean, Charlie Sheen back in ninety you know ninety one you know uh, Lloyd Bridges, Kevin Dunn, John Carr. You could have done a lot with these people. I think just the script and the direction was just terrible. 
Well, yeah, and Valeria Galino was at the height of her career. This is like right after she was uh, the romantic interest in Rain Man. Yep. Uh, I mean, th- there was a time from the late 1980s through early 1990s where she was like, if you wanted to cast someone who was going to be the uh, kind of attractive European love interest. She was your go-to. Yeah. She was your exotic, hot exotic. That was the word I was looking for and failing. Yeah. Escape from LA four rooms, leaving Las Vegas. Oh, I forgot she was in four rooms. Heck she was in big top peewee. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah. There, there was a lot of, of talent that was put in this film that just was wasted. I mean, uh, I'm trying to think of some other examples of things in there that just blew my mind. I was like, really, really? I didn't remember how dumb it was. I even remember I, I ended up having to apologize to the group because we were uh, renting movies and I rented one specifically because Valeria Galeno was in it. And I was like, oh, this is going to be awesome. And it was The King's Whore. And it was the most boring a piece of crap that any of us had ever watched. <laughs> it was Timothy Dalton, Valeria Galeno in this incredibly boring 17th century uh, like historical drama. Hang on, looking this up, seeing if we. Oh yeah, that was. Yeah, this this would have been like uh, either freshman or second freshman year. Nineteen ninety. <laughs> yeah, uh, and I, I just fight. That was that was my pick for one evening when we went to the video store and back to the dorms. I'm like, I'm sorry, guys. <laughs> Ugh, I think more I like the king's boar. I think I missed that night, so lucky me. Didn't miss much, I don't think. No, it was like Joel, Matt Brown, uh, Phil, probably Jay. Thanks, Phil. (sighs) I don't know. I I like some of the things that that could have been done here or some of the jokes that were done. I I think could have been funny, but again, without the context and with... It just felt like somebody just sat around and just threw a bunch of stuff together and was like, eh, it's a movie. Well, like I said, it was just a bunch of jokes that were just written down and, and he just he just kind of built a script around the jokes. Yeah. This is, it's and the, just... and the, the jokes were just kind of rejects from Airplane. <laughs> right. They're yeah. like, you got leftover script. What do we do with it? You know what they would never let me do? They never let me do the guy gets uh, completely drained when he does his blood transfusion. <laughs> yeah. That's comedy gold. All right. Comedy bronze. Yeah, that- <laughs> right. It's comedy. <laughs> no, it's not even that. The Indian in the tent was pretty cool too. With the, <sighs> they're like my third grader wrote a script. I thought it was actually going to be all right because um, it opened up with the scene where you know they were they're doing the callbacks, you know, and they're doing the Brady Bunch theme, and it's kind of funny. I'm like, all right, that was kind of funny. And then they do the whole thing where they start, you know, all realizing they know each other, and then when the whole platoon goes Eagle River. That actually made me laugh. So that was the first mm-hmm. laugh I had. So I'm like, all right, maybe this isn't going to be so bad. It, it lost me at the motorcycle me. scene. Lost yeah. me at fluffy bunny feet. Is that so when you right dropped the out? Beginning. That, that's like the, one of the first lines. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah, I mean, I, it's obvious we've all got a thumbs down on this one. But I'm going to go further than that. Not only is this oh. a thumbs down, but I feel dumber and sadder for having watched it twice. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I couldn't make love to my wife after watching this movie. <laughs> when did you get married? <laughs> no, I'm just, that's what Josh is saying. Oh. <laughs> this movie was so bad, everything was down. <laughs> I was going to say, Patrick oh. went out, got married, couldn't perform, got <laughs> divorced. All because of this movie. All because of this movie. The hour and a half that the movie took place. Awesome. But my favorite, my my favorite line in the whole movie, the thing that made me laugh the most, uh oh, was um 
when the, I'm, I'm sitting there watching, you know, they do the whole story about, you know, um, his father getting, getting, you know, thrown out of the plane and everything and then getting shot oh. by the hunters and stuff. So, and I'm like, this is really stupid. And then they showed the picture. He's like, wait, your father? And they showed the picture and they have his head mounted <laughs> on the wall. That was pretty fucking okay. funny, okay. right? And if it's any, if it's any consultants, I didn't go back for seconds. seconds. <laughs> and then my favorite line was right after that. He's like, why are you mad at me? He's the one that ate your father. <laughs> All right. Are we done with this then? Let's get on to something better. Everyone's done with this. So done with this. Yeah. All right. So uh, we're going to take a break, go uh, gargle with some extra strength Listerine, and uh, come back and talk about Tropic Thunder. Hopefully the show improves from here. We'll see how we felt about Tropic Thunder in 2008. 2008. Be back in a little bit. Welcome back, everybody, and uh, to part two of the war comedy show. Things are going to get better, I promise you. The war is hella funny. Oh, wow. Oh, I see what you did there. So, uh, excuse me. Um, So now we're going over, we're skipping over uh, 1991's Hot Shots, and we're moving up to 2008 with Tropic Thunder. Uh, this uh, is part of the resurgence of Robert Downey Jr. Mm-hmm. That's Kirk, fair. Playing Kirk Lazarus. Uh, Jack Black as Jeff Portnoy. Jerry Burrichell as Kevin Sandusky. Brandon T. Jackson as Alpha Chino. Ben Stiller as Tug Speedman. Steve Coogan as Damon Cockburn. Danny McBride as Cody. Bill Hader as uh, Rob Slolom. Nick Nolte as... Four Leaf Tayback and Tom Cruise as Les Grossman, followed up by Matthew McConaughey as Rick Peck. All right, all right, all right. <laughs> it's I like mean, a- aside from Brandon T. Jackson, like all of these guys are pretty huge. I'd even go so far as to say Steve Coogan, even though he's not as big here in the states, but I mean he's considered a British comedy national treasure. Yeah. Oh yeah. Steve Coogan is really is actually very funny. Um, one of my guilty pleasures is the what, didn't he do the uh, no I'm thinking Hamlet two yeah Hamlet, Hamlet two is one of the funniest movies to come out in the past decade. Uh, funny I don't know about all that. Oh my god I love that movie so much. He's been doing the Alan Partridge character for almost thirty years. Yeah, he's pulling Alan Partridge like um like Mr. Bean, you know it's that that kind of like that that type of character um he's actually really good have you seen our idiot brother yes that's yes. he's pretty good in that as dylan i own that one that's a good movie wow but uh yeah no um so you've got a lot of comedy all-stars <laughs> in this one along with robert downey jr which uh, and Nick Nolte. well i mean here's the thing okay let, let's get the trivia out of the way okay in the film, Kirk Lazarus uh, comments, I don't drop character till I've done the DVD commentary. And as I learned, he does not. Because I watched the DVD commentary track of this, and uh, Robert Downey Jr., Jack Black, and Ben Stiller, Robert Downey Jr. stays as uh, Lazarus. <clears throat> Kirk Lazarus. Yeah, he stays in character through the entire thing. As and- Kirk Lazarus or as Kirk Lazarus's character? 
as as Kirk Lazarus playing, um, what was the character's name? Oh, oh, what is it? Oh, um, um, uh, Osiris T. Jackson. Yes, he stayed as Osiris T. Jackson through the entire commentary. Dude, and it's oh, and it's it <laughs> is so funny, especially when he's doing the commentary about like um, uh, uh, Satan the 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 trailer with uh, Tobey Maguire. Satan's Alley. Satan's Alley. When he's doing the commentary and that, and every time he shows up on the screen, no matter what's going, he's like, "Shut up! Shut up! Shut up! Shut up! Shut up!" <laughs> This I love me. that trailer. Is it it is you if you have a DVD a version of this that has this on there, watch it. It's on the uh, version on the TV as well. It starts with all of the trailers. Yeah. Well, oh no, I'm just, talking about the I'm talking about the commentary. The commentary. Oh, the commentary. Yeah, I got the you. commentary with him as as him as, just doing the he stays in voice through the entire thing. And initially, I almost feel like Jack Black and Ben Stiller, they're the other ones, and Jay Baruchel brings pizza at one point. Um, <laughs> but those two are just like, at the very beginning, they're like, holy shit, he's going to do it. <laughs> Let, I just want to say, and this may be a, a bold statement early on, but just the trailers alone are funnier than all of Hot Shots. Yes. yes. I mean, just the one line in, in the Satan's whatever, where they're like five-time Academy Award winner Kirk Lazarus. Which is hilarious because nobody's and, ever won five Academy Awards. Well, and then they're like, and <clears throat> and best winner of best kisser of the MTV Movie yeah. Awards, Tobey Maguire. And, and that's like, true because he actually did win that. I know, and that's what makes it funnier. But it's just so <laughs> perfect. And literally, just just one of those trailers is probably funnier than the whole freaking Hot Shot. And then you toss in the commentary with him going, yeah, you had a man fondling another man's beads. <laughs> that it, that it, that that was so wrong. It's right, you know. It's just I mean, he's he stays in in character the entire entire time. But okay, here's a run. If you have not seen this, you're obviously listening to the wrong uh, podcast. Uh, we're just going to assume everybody's seen it. There's no spoilers. So here's what's happening: is Steve Coogan, Damien Cockburn is trying to shoot a war movie with Kirk Lazarus, uh, Al Pacino, and Tug Speedman, who are these prima donna actors uh and trying to get it done they are what do they say they're one week in and three weeks behind right and and he has no control over them so the character nick nolte's character four leaf tayback who wrote the book that the movie that they're trying to film is based on tells uh steve coogan's character throw him out in the middle of the jungle make him survive and then you're gonna get these these slap these guys into shape it goes horribly wrong, and they get dropped into the middle of a Vietnamese uh, drug lord's territory. And, by... and Steve Coogan pays the ultimate price for his <laughs> for the mistake of taking them out to the jungle. Yeah, he steps on a landmine. And he's it's just <laughs> very warm, salty corn syrup. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the that shock, like blood. <laughs> the shock of that moment where he promptly steps on a landmine and dies. And aside from Kirk Lazarus, none of the actors are buying that he's dead. They think that uh, it's the movie's still on and they're going to keep doing it. Yeah, especially when um, Ben Stiller, Tug Speedman, he's got his head on the end of his gun. Oh, look at me. I'm trying to get my shot. You know, that. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, They slowly start to realize long before he ever does. I don't know if he ever realizes. Did you know, and I'm just looking and researching this, award wise. Robert Downey Jr. was nominated for an Oscar for this, for the Best Supporting Role. 
That does not surprise me. I mean, I've I talked in the first half and throughout the show about how rough I am on comedies, and I did not see this immediately when it came out. I probably didn't see it till 2010, and uh, I was amazed probably by the end of the fake trailers. Uh, and when I saw how bold they're going to be with Robert Downey Jr.'s character. Yeah, let's I was just like holy <clears throat> shit! They're gonna try and pull off blackface in a comedy, and they did it so and good. They do yeah, yeah, and yeah. So- nobody complained <clears throat> about it really. I mean, there were discussions about like uh, from a lot of African Americans online about like how should we feel about this? And in general, they're like, well, this is the difference is this is not making fun of black people. It's making fun of tight ass actors who are well-meaning but tone deaf with regards to race issues and who don't understand why this is inappropriate mm-hmm. well that's and the you have, joke you have the actors within the story that kind of are the voice of those people that may be dissenting mm-hmm. right so it's it's not like it's accepted necessarily <clears throat> it's like the one main character that is black you know, he's a gay African-American rapper who he he says, what is it? He says something about you people. He's like, what do you mean, you people? Yeah. <laughs> you know? Well, and he only went out for the movie because the book had one good part for a uh, black actor, and they gave it to Crocodile Dundee. And then he goes into this weird racist tirade of his own against Australians. Yeah. So the trivia, Robert Downey Jr. was very reluctant to take the role because he felt that wearing makeup to look black was offensive. Downey finally accepted it because then he read the script. <laughs> he was like, this is good stuff. And he really wanted to work with Ben Stiller and Jack Black. Uh, Jack, Imagine being his agent, calling him up and be like, I know you're on the downslide here. Yeah. I've got a blackface role for you. That's gonna Hear me out. out. All right, all right. <laughs> now, Jack Black had issue with it because they were dying his hair blonde. But he kind of got over that, too. Um, like his character, Kirk Lazarus, Robert Downey Jr. is a math- method actor, and he stayed in character as Sergeant Osiris, even when the cameras weren't rolling. Which, <laughs> and, In a lot of ways, when they showed the behind-the-screen antics, I honestly think that Kirk Lazarus is a very thinly veiled shot at Russell Crowe. Oh, I'm sure it is. Because you've got this Australian actor who is a genius who transforms himself into all these different characters and is a complete mess in his personal life. Yep. <clears throat> and uh, according to Ben Stiller, Tug Speedman is partially based on a young Sylvester Stallone. See, I was thinking more uh-huh. of Bruce Willis personally, but what? that's what I was seeing it as initially. That uh, because so of the, obviously Tom Cruise. The torched thing. Yeah. That was, uh, a, that was a joke on the Mission Impossible uh, franchise. So remember the uh, video conference scene? Mm-hmm. It, uh-huh. it took 15 takes to get Steven, Steve Coogan's nose to bleed. Because well, they obviously didn't have that key grip really jack him in the face. <laughs> <laughs> uh, with, uh, during the, con- the conversation with Tom Cruise's character, each actor's part was filmed separately with Justin Theroux serving as Cruise's stand-in during the Coogan's filming. Um, I got to say, this is quite possibly everybody playing the best character they could possibly play. Well, and like Ben Stiller definitely gets away with putting Tom Cruise's over the top character together because you want to talk about uh, racially problematic. Okay, the blackface, we've explained why that's not quite what they're going for, but oh my God, is Tom Cruise's character a Jewish stereotype? (laughs) (laughs) And he just goes so big with it that you don't even notice. And that's the thing is like in, in this situation, Les Grossman. You have two choices. You can either tiptoe around it or just jump in the pool. 
And Tom Cruise went full on. Did you know he had prosthetic hands? Yep. Well, I, I, I noticed that. He's one of the reasons that I, I, I was just amazed that he was willing to go to the lengths he did. And it just proved to me that he's willing to not take himself seriously. And, and uh, we kind of passed by this already, but just to backtrack real quick, did anybody else see the Jack Black character? I mean, based on what they did originally as a Eddie Murphy? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> Which I thought was an interesting choice since he's white, you know, to again, play against stereotype. So do you think you're the only one who doesn't get sick when he doesn't get his jelly beans? <laughs> <laughs> part fart two. That was the best part. Oh. And you also have Jay Baruchel just kind of as the everyman, like the the voice of the audience in the movie. Mm-hmm. Like he's the rational one. He's the kid. He's an up and coming. He's not even a star. He's just like the guy who's just barely good enough to get a fourth or fifth billing part in this movie. Mm-hmm. And he idolizes <laughs> all these other other actors. Yeah. I mean, these I mean, like he said to Robert Downey Jr., I mean to Kirk Lazarus, he memorized all his monologues when he was in acting school. But at the same time, he's he's like, My God, the amount of insecurity you people have is incredible. Yeah. And that whole scene, it's I mean, just everybody I mean, it it's just like the uh um uh which crap, lost his name. Tom Cruise's character. Everybody had a choice in this one. They can either tiptoe around the pool or jump in. Everybody just fell into these characters. Even Bill Hader, yeah, who I think right. is honestly under underrepresented in this one because I think he's hilarious, especially when they're trying to get uh, Matthew McConaughey to go along with letting um, uh, Ben Stiller die. Right, they're doing the listening to the rap song. Oh yeah. I mean, the two of them, I mean, and him and uh, Tom Cruise together just play off each other so well. And then you've got Nick Nolte with a fu- with a flamethrower attacking <laughs> attacking those guys uh, while... Um, drug dealers, yeah. Yeah, attacking, he's, he's attacking the drug dealers while Frankenstein is playing. Yeah, well, and him and Danny McBride play off of each other so well. And, like, Danny McBride is used to being the biggest personality on the screen. Like, looking at his career, Your Highness, Pineapple Express, Eastbound and Down. Yeah. And he's a big character in this, but there's just so many bigger. I don't know if I'd say bigger. Well, well I he mean, gets uh, overshadowed a bit. He does right. get overshadowed. But when he's when he's on the on the scene by himself, like, when he's initially setting off all that, all the uh, explosions in the very beginning, mm-hmm. he takes over the screen. And that's the thing, I think, with everybody in this movie is that when they are on, they are on 100%. I mean, when, well, you've, um, oh, so sorry, so when you've got Jack Black tied to the tree, you know, I'll, I'll stroke I'm, I'm the over now. I'm over it. You, you can release me. You can release me. Well, I'm good. I'm good. Remember that? Remember think, the moment ago where I called your mom a whore? <laughs> I literally suck your dick. I think you, just everybody <laughs> put their egos in check and just said, you know, we're going to try and make the best movie possible for for Ben Stiller who's directing it and um they all kind of let each other shine when they needed to shine and backed off when it wasn't their turn that's the thing i i think that makes would make or break this movie is them is the different egos and the different characters and the different actors knowing when to step down well if they had acted off screen like their characters acted on screen oh yeah right yeah <clears throat> Yeah, but I mean, Robert Downey Jr. obviously saw this in, let's see, 2008. Was he, was, he just out of jail then? No, he was, he was already on his comeback trail. This was one of the movies that pushed him farther along, but he was already into that. Into but that. it was pre-Iron Man, I think. 
Uh, hold on one second. I'm it checking. was right before if it no, was. No, uh, 2008. Actually. Seven was Iron Man, wasn't Iron it? Oh, seven yeah. was Iron Man. I, no, 2008 was Iron Man. So he was Iron Man and Tropic Thunder in the same year. Oh, uh, okay. Because this was post uh, Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, which is where I kind of, I think, wasn't it? Where I think of him making his comeback was. Yeah, 2005 was Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. And then he did the Shaggy Dog in 2006, which I think may have been the scraping the bottom of the barrel. But in the same year, he started up with Scanner Darkly. Well, and Zodiac was a big one for him, too. I haven't I seen that. I so want to see that. He, he's a minor character, but he's, he's spot on. That whole movie is really good. Yeah. Well, if you like David Fincher, it's it's mm. it's one of his better works. In <clears throat> and this, but, I think, 2000... Right. Oh, sorry, Joel, but just looking at yep. his movie progression here, this is the year of his comeback because he does Iron Man, Tropic Thunder, and the very next year he does Sherlock Holmes. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. I mean, 2008... This is the heart of his comeback roaring back onto the screen. Oh, completely. You know, and then 2009, 2010, Iron Man 2, and then 2011, another Sherlock Holmes movie. I mean, and then he just rides that iron suit into the air, I guess, because... <laughs> well, just think about it. Now he's like one of the richest actors. Well, he made a shit ton of money off of Iron Man because he didn't get paid a salary. He paid into the rights to the merchandising and stuff. Oh, yeah. Well, he's not stupid. But No, no, not at all. And then you've got Jack Black who can't say he's had such a you know, drop and rise as uh, as Robert Downey Jr. does. But, I mean, he's kind of hit or miss. But he's been consistent. <clears throat> he's been working nonstop. And he'll have one movie that's good and one movie that's not so good. And he just kind of keeps plugging along doing what he does. Yeah. And you gotta you got to listen to that commentary track just to hear... Uh, uh, Robert Downey Jr. dogging on Jack Black about Kung Fu Panda. <laughs> oh, I like those movies. No. I like Jack. I like Jack Black. I know. I know a lot of people don't like him, but I, <clears throat> I like most everything he does. My kids love him. Yeah, my kids love him too. Tenacious D is so amazing. I love that. that my little kids don't Google. love that though. Uh, they're they're they, they're so funny. You don't so let them listen together. to Tenacious D? Yeah, no. Wow, you're square. <laughs> he, yeah, yeah, he keeps fucker gently on it on loop in the car when he's driving the kids around. Oh yeah, we'd listen to that on the way to church. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, back to the movie. Yeah. So uh in the meantime, Jay Baruchel, uh two thousand eight was he's he actually I have a lot of respect for him on this one. He did a really good job. Considering the ca- caliber of actor that he was up against. Mm-hmm. You know, being, He's always been very good at playing an everyman. Yeah, that's that's kind of been his shtick. Yeah, he's, he, he's either an everyman or an obnoxious Bostonian. <laughs> those are his two. Those are, those are that's his wheelhouse. I always thought of him as a Jewish Canadian, so I don't know. Although this is a far cry from uh, the last movie we talked about him being so over the top in Goon. Yeah, he was pretty over the top. Yeah. I mean, yeah, just look at, like, his, like, crazy rap kind of Beastie Boys persona in Goon, aside Sean William Scott, and mm-hmm. then his totally down-to-earth everyman in this. It shows the kid's got some range. Oh, yeah, he definitely has an ability to take on the the right persona for the characters. And, you know, it just seems like this one, he 
it was a perfect setup for him. He's he's got a show on right now. Actually, it's pretty good called Man Seeking Woman. Yeah, it's about oh. it's about a single man, and you get a lot of the inner workings of his mind get acted out by you know. It's just really funny. That's cool. Well, and what's interesting about the two movies you you picked, Mike, this week is that this movie is kind of a send up of a lot of the things that are wrong with Hollywood and with actors and with everything going on. And then Hot Shots is exactly what everything we're is wrong about. with you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. Drop my pen. In I mean, in a diff- it's not, you know, exactly the same because they're talking more about the egos and the, the method actors and all the crap that goes on behind the scene that you don't see. And and the, that's the, the thing is they're 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 ripping on the method actors. You know, you've got this Kirk Lazarus is this method actor that he's going to dye his skin to fit the pat- part. And Robert Downey Jr. is a full on method actor. Uh huh. I mean, he's lampooning himself. That's what makes it the character so awesome is because that you see him, you know, how how could you see him not sitting there reading the script and going, I do that, <laughs> you know? Well, yeah, I think there is a belief that method actors are all these like taking themselves too seriously. And that stereotype is played to in Tropic Thunder. But uh, a lot of people say, you know, this is just how I get into character. The reality of it uh, is uh, probably not as funny. Well, I mean, you you hear all kinds of nightmare stories about people having to deal with Daniel Day-Lewis and his method. And you know, I think there was a little bit of, of Daniel Day-Lewis thrown into Kirk Lazarus, eh, Kurt Lazarus as well. Well, but I think also for Robert Downey Jr., he was that guy. And then he, after he hit rock bottom and kind of started to get out of you know drugs and alcohol and started to re- bounce back, he he now can look back on it and and make fun of himself for who he was because now he's just doing it because he loves acting. I think. Yeah, I'm trying to have the kids have a some sort of like frame of reference on Robert Downey Jr. So this weekend we're going to watch Less Than Zero. Jeez. <laughs> All right. You know, Suzanne still hasn't seen that. <clears throat> really? Really? Even I've seen that, and I don't. I think that's, that's the one with uh, Anthony. Anthony Michael Hall. No, Anthony. No. Um, crap. Not Edwards. Edwards. No. Anthony, what are you guys talking about? Andrew, I, I don't. I wasn't Andrew McCarthy, Less than the zero. other guy in it. Okay. Yeah, Andrew McCarthy. Thank you. I knew it was an A name, but I couldn't remember what it was. Yeah. Uh, and Jamie Gertz. Gertz. Never saw that. Never saw Less than Zero. What? Oh my God. I think Andrew, I've seen it. Andrew McCarthy, Jamie Gertz, Robert Downey Jr., and James Spader. <clears throat> and good stuff. Even though it wasn't necessarily, I mean, the movie itself was supposed to be funny. The one sequence where Robert Downey Jr. has got the the rice paddy hat on after he's after he's given his whole spiel and they finally realize that he's not who he says he is. <laughs> And he pulls out the two M16s or whatever and gets down on his knees and starts shooting. I'm sorry. That was just badass. <laughs> Even though point. he's firing blanks. <laughs> yeah. Right. yeah. He's but firing blanks. Like, the, like, oh. he, the accent he has on that whole scene, too, is just really funny. Oh, yeah. <laughs> really The way he talks is so funny. My and wife the subtitles has... show that he's doing it in broken yeah. <laughs> Chinese. Yeah. And that – and. Uh, I I haven't seen this movie in a long time. I watched I like you, Josh. I know, I didn't get to see it at the theater. It didn't really draw my attention back in two thousand eight, but I did see it on DVD and I loved it. And I had forgotten how much I loved this movie. Agreed. I mean, uh, like I said before, everybody is just so perfect for their for their part. I personally think Danny McBride is hilarious through the entire thing. And you're right, the the interaction he has with Nick Nolte and the entire time, especially he's like. Uh, you know what is this stuff? I don't know. I only know it by the sound they make when they uh when they make, when he lies to a man. It's just 
Uh, like the, when, it, when, they, when the guy comes in, he's, he's like, can you tie me to another pole? <laughs> <laughs> it's just a really smart script. I mean, Justin Thoreau, I mean, he's I, I knew him as an actor before I knew him as a as a writer. I realized that he was a writer um, from Mulholland, Mulholland Drive. Um, I need to see that. But and then you think about the fact that it's directed by Ben Stiller, who when I was watching it, I was about, I don't know, a quarter of the way through it, three quarters of the way through it. And I was like, wait a minute, who directed this? Because I couldn't remember. And I was like, oh. So I think that's part of the reason he got the cast he did and why he got the commitment he did is, you know, they, these are probably friends of his that he wanted to work with. And they were like, oh, yeah, of course. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, I think a lot of it is it's got the quotability of a typical Ben Stiller comedy, but it's a little smarter than most of his others. Exactly. And that's why I had to do a double take on it. It really is. You're, you're right. Because it's, it's, I mean, when you look, I'm looking at Ben Stiller's filmography right now. You've got Madagascar, Zoolander, Tropic Thunder, and The Secret Life of Walter Mitty, which I still have not seen. Right. Right. Which looks really good. I mean, he's got this range of, I mean, in just direction that is all over the freaking place. I, I mean, no other way, other way to put it for me. I'm granted it's not very poetic. (laughs) (laughs) Ben, Ben Stiller is actually very talented. But he's seen as almost a joke by a lot of people that you know are film lovers and stuff because he takes a lot of roles that are just that are beneath him. I mean, like the whole Night at the Museum franchise. You know, I mean, people are like, "Oh, a real you know a real Hollywood talent wouldn't take that." You know, that's for guys like Kevin James and stuff. You know, so yeah. I mean, he just uh, basically he just he doesn't really care what his image is. He just does what he wants to do. Right, and mm-hmm. I don't think that's a fair criticism because, like the Fockers series, it, they're abysmal. But you've got him and De Niro. I mean, how can you give him crap for the stuff he does if you're not going to roast Robert De Niro for appearing in those terrible that, movies? That's the thing. It's like the Fockers movies. Yeah, okay. Here you go. You're going to be in a terrible movie, but you're going to be playing opposite Robert De Niro. Yep. I mean, the thing about the thing about the Fockers is the scenes are good, but the plot is stupid. Right. Oh, yeah. You know, I That's mean, fair. So, yeah. <laughs> and my and, oh, sorry. Go ahead, no, go ahead, Joel. I was going to say my my relationship with Ben Stiller. I, I used to watch the Ben Stiller show um, back when it was on, and then Reality Bites. And for me, if if people aren't a fan or don't take him seriously, I'm like, you need to watch Permanent Midnight, and we'll talk later. Yes. That's you know, if you didn't say that, I was going to say it. And and I that's. <laughs> Uh, that movie still amazes me, but it, I'm glad to see you know we're giving him his due, and that I'm not alone. I sometimes I'm like, does anybody else like you? But he seems to always be getting work and a pretty big budget. Yeah, I like Ben yeah. Stiller very much. I'm sorry, I'm reading over the quotes and from Jerry this movie. Stiller. And oh, Jerry Stiller is oh, don't don't get me started on him. What you got to like? He owes you money or something? <laughs> no, <laughs> I love Jerry Stiller, Stiller and Mira, oh, fucking great shit. Anyway. Yeah. Sorry. I'm just I'm looking at the lines in the quotable section of the IMDb. It's like, no nah, man, it's simple as pie. You plant your feet on the ground, you look a square in the eyes, and say, "Hey, baby, you and me going on a date." That's the end of story. What's your name, Lance? You say, "Listen here, Lance, Lance." <laughs> the fuck did I just hear? <laughs> no, I said Nance. <laughs> That's I mean the the for as horrible as the writing was in Hot Shots. This is this is funny stuff. Mm-hmm. I mean, and it goes from as goes from stuff as caustic as this to Kirk Lazarus having his having his uh, meltdown as he's trying to get um, trying to save uh, Ben Stiller. I mean, it's all funny. 
And this is kind of a polarizing movie. Like, I've seen reviews, and they're all over the place. Like, most people on, like, Rotten Tomatoes, IMDb, either rate this as a 10 or a 1. Really? Yeah. There's a lot of division on this movie, yeah. I'm looking hmm. at there, it. There are people that hate this movie because the main joke is is a, a, a retard joke. Well, sure, but there's a lot of people that, e- even discarding that, and... Uh, I, I suppose that's a fair criticism if you are just looking at that in a vacuum and not in the context of the rest of the film. Right, it definitely, that's you're focusing on, yeah. Yeah, but there are a lot of people that hate it independent of that. See, and that's the thing is, like, you're if you're stepping in, you're hating it because of, you know, the simple, simple jack. Simple jack you're hating yeah. it because of the blackface. You're missing the entire point of the movie. You're missing what this movie is actually mocking, and you have to you have to watch it and and like comprehend it to understand that they're lampooning themselves for doing the things that they're doing in the movie. Mm-hmm. Right. The, these are not presented as characters who are virtuous and intelligent. Right. And right. I, I would definitely <clears throat> say that the use of blackface with uh, Kirk Lazarus is definitely more defensible than the whole simple Jack thing. But both in context can be considered as like, okay, I understand why this makes you feel uncomfortable, but this is not something that's saying, hey, this is an attitude you should have that makes you smart and cool. Mm-hmm. And after all, check it out. Dustin Hoffman, Rain Man. Look retarded, act retarded, not retarded. <laughs> it never go for retard. That you don't buy that? Ask Sean Penn, two thousand one. I am Sam. Remember that? <laughs> went full retard, went home empty handed. <laughs> that, that entire model, that whole scene. <laughs> and his, his delivery on it is like, everybody knows you don't go full retard. I don't read the script. The script read me. <laughs> what the, the hell that's does my that mean? Line in the whole movie. I don't know why. It's just, I'll read script. Script read me. <laughs> what does that even mean? <laughs> But I mean, it's it's like that whole. I mean, just the the super inflated egos. I am amazed that any other actor showed up to the release of this because if they had seen this, they'd been realized that they're being they are the ones being made fun of in this movie. <laughs> yeah, I am the rooster illusion. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'll deal with you later. Let's get out of here. <laughs> <laughs> And Matthew McConaughey is playing the most Matthew McConaughey character. And yeah. his hair is huge. I feel such a connection with him. Yeah. <laughs> he's he's bas- basically if Matthew McConaughey was a agent. Yeah. And, and you know what? In all honesty, I liked his character. I mean, he was granted he was a douchebag. But yeah. in, <laughs> I like how on his iPhone he was in, in his phone as Tugger Not. <laughs> yeah, but he he has a he has a uh, a character arc though. Even though he's a minor character, he still has a character. Yeah, arc and... he has this. Do I get this plane or do I let him die? He's got or, that. Or or maybe I just pretend, get my plane, and then fly my TiVo out to him. Right, and then, but that was such a random state, a random uh, entrance at the very end. Because you, you know, you last time you saw him before he comes running out of the out of the jungle with a TiVo, uh, he's he's standing there with the picture of Tug in one hand and the, and the magazine about the airplane in the other. So I mean, I I again, everybody was perfectly cast in this one. Yep. 
Yeah, I think Joel really hit the nail on the head when you, you've you got the dumb slapstick, terrible, everything that's wrong with the way Hollywood did comedies and especially parodies. And then this movie that is a biting satire about making those kinds of shitty movies. Mm-hmm. Even though we didn't quite get the war theme as close as we thought, th- these two films do have that connection. Yeah. The military connection. <laughs> Hmm. And the music's so, awesome. Uh, I think that this is going to be one of the rare things where for both the then and the now, all of us are in agreement. It sounds like we're both way thumbs down for Hot Shots and way thumbs up for uh, Tropic Thunder. No, I hated it. It was shit. Liar. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. my, my thumb is up for Tropic Thunder. It's not way up. I mean, I I do kind of agree that I think that it should have been it should have been more than it is. Oh. I don't shut up. <laughs> I don't, I, and I can't even really pinpoint it. I mean, I think like I remember going to this movie the weekend it opened. There was a group of ten of us that went, and we laughed, and it was great, and everything. But it's like it just there was the feeling when we went to go see it that this is going to be even funnier than The Hangover, you know, because I mean, it was just so loaded with talent. And I remember leaving the theater going, you know, that was funny, but it wasn't funnier than I mean, that doesn't it doesn't even crack my top twenty of all hmm. time. So. I mean, it's definitely funny. Don't get me wrong, but I feel because like... you like just... it, I'm not going to like it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, my favorite part about this entire movie is Robert Downey Jr. I mean, he's a, his whole role, I mean, the whole thing is, is great. And as much as I like Jack Black, I mean, I, I feel like his character just wasn't really utilized all that much. It, you know, I mean, it was, it was a couple notes of jokes and stuff here and there. And I don't know, they just had too much to do to bring enough... They had, they had too much to do for the plot to bring enough comedy. Hmm. I don't See, know. I think I liked it better than The Hangover. <clears throat> really? I, yeah. I agree with Josh on this one. I think this one definitely would rate ha- higher on, on my list than The Hangover. Oh, no. I, I, I love The Hangover. Well, I didn't dislike The Hangover, but I just think that they're, they're both in the acceptable comedies, and that's a tough category for me. Uh, but this one ranks a little bit higher. Mm. Yeah, Tom. I'd agree. I mean, I, I like The Hangover movies, and they make me laugh, but yeah, I'd put this at a higher Higher than that. Yeah, same here. Just go to the theme song, go make it not true. Oh, my God. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, have we said about what we can say about this? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. I really do think we did. This is loved uh, loved this. Another scene that I really enjoyed, (laughs) by the way, real quick. Sorry, was the scene when when Sandusky is talking all about Blu-rays and HD DVDs (laughs) and everything. And and, and Colonel Lasters just turns around to him at one point and says, you talking to me this whole time? <laughs> <laughs> and, and we can give an additional shout out to Tom Cruise for every time he is on the screen, just owning it. Yeah. Oh my God, yeah. And I still can't believe that there were people that saw that movie and didn't realize that was Tom Cruise. That's that's concerning. Yeah. So it's like you're, the the main character of the movie is basically a lampooning of Tom Cruise, and you can't tell when that guy is in the movie. <laughs> Well, and that whole in credit dance sequence is that epic. was a riot. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, Tom Cruise has gone off the deep end in a lot of ways, but a lot of people forget he did start off in comedies. Risky Business was a comedy. All the right yeah. moves was pretty much a comedy. Well, yeah. And whatever issues he's got are <clears throat> per, are personal ones. I, I don't think his talent went anywhere. No, exactly. I mean, he's still. I mean, when you put the camera on him, he can still do whatever the hell you want because he's going to be a, an entertainer because that's what he does. He's a superstar. You know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He's box office bank baby. Mm-hmm. 
So I'm guessing we even, all... even when he falls, he still you know makes millions. An insurance uh, uh, payout. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so so what's all... next week? Next week. Next week is technology show. We're talking about chatting. Yeah, it's social media plus chat programs. Everything covering from bulletin board services to AOL Instant Messenger, all the way up through Facebook and Snapchat. Yep. And you will find out just who is Aunt B. <laughs> the entire so show will be simulcast on Twitter and Facebook. If you just want kidding. to check out our archives, you can always go to iTunes, Stitcher, TalkShoe, other fine podcasting directories, mm-hmm. or find us at our home on the web at www.fortygo14.com or on the Musings of a Geek podcast network. Yep, and if you're looking to get in touch with us, you have any ideas for uh, shows, Give us a call at 708-669-9727. That's uh, 708, now wrap. Or you can email us at 40go14 at gmail.com or send us a Twitter or uh, at 40go14 or look for us on Facebook. I know who yeah. I am. What? I'm a dude who's pretending to be a dude who's acting like another dude. <laughs> oh, man. I'm a dude playing a dude disguised as another dude. You went uh, full downy. You're that- a dude that don't know what dude you are. That that ugh, so I'm gonna go watch it again right now. I might want to watch it again with the commentary in a couple days. It, it, seriously, it is so damn funny. Anyway, good night, everybody. Good night. Bye. I think I might be no one. You are now leaving the world of Musings of a Geek podcast network. Stay geeky, my friends. Ah, see? <coughs> Whoa. Holy shit. Yeah, that was, a. Uh, sounded like I just puked all over my mic. <laughs> it really yeah. did. Um, it sounded like you were just eaten by Nibbler. <laughs> uh, are, you, are you okay? Yeah. All right. <laughs> that was just a very uh, sloshy belch. <laughs> very chunky belch. <laughs> Sloshy should never be a describer of anything that you do that comes out of your body. That was very sloshy.